It be too late to alter course, matey. And there be plundering pirates lurking in every cove. And mark well me words, matey. Dead men tell no tales. <laughs> the code is more what you call guidelines than actual rules. Welcome aboard the Black Pearl. Welcome to the Pirates of the Caribbean Minute, a daily podcast where we analyze, scrutinize, and plunder the Pirates of the Caribbean films one blimey minute at a time. I'm Scott Artis from scottartis.com. And I'm Heather Artis from blackpearlminute.com. Thanks for joining us for Minute 106 of The Curse of the Black Pearl. It's our Redeem the Week episode because we can't end on a 105. Man, that episode was just brutal yesterday. <laughs> I'm even afraid to listen to it again. Really? Yeah, it just scared me. All the listeners are let down, and they're like, Scott, you were so awesome, but what happened to Heather? And I say, that's why the rum's gone. You were awesome? What are you talking about? As you may have noticed, because I'm going to move along, I'm pretty light on my introductions and announcements this week. I think my mind shut down after release of Dead Men Tell No Tales. It was a busy buildup to the release of the movie. We went to see it twice over the last couple of weeks, or weekends. And now that it's out and we dropped our bonus review episode, feels like we can just sit back and relax. Until next weekend when the Pirate Fair comes to town. That's true. We will be going there to get some Pirate on the Street action. Not, okay, Pirate on the Street interviews and stuff. Oh, okay. Woo! Yeah, that was that was almost... It's going to be a wild ride. Yeah. We can't just relax because of that, but also because of this little thing of producing a daily show. It really takes yeah. us out of that. Well, for one of us, it does. The other one's over there just doing whatever. Other than that, my mind can just slip into hibernation until Pirates of the Caribbean 6, if Disney moves forward with a sixth movie. And I say that because it's just been a rather lackluster domestic box office performance so far for that. And I haven't looked it up lately. We'll see what happens after this weekend. But internationally is another story. So maybe that will justify a new and proper ending to the saga. Plus, I'm just curious to see how that in-credit scene in Dead Men Tell No Tales manifests itself for the plot of another sequel. Yeah, I want to know who that is. Exactly. We had a number of theories. Who and what and... Yep. So, once you've seen the movie, check out our Dead Men Tell No Tales review and let us know what you think on the in-credit scene. You ready to get rolling with the previous minute recap? Oh, I forgot. I definitely wanted to get in something before we start. And that's Merry Christmas before we get going here. So, Merry Christmas, Scallywags. Now hold on to that thought as I have quite the good folklore tale as a gift for everyone coming Christmas up. Christmas in June? Yeah, it's just a little something to dream about tonight that I'm going to end with because it's a Christmas-related holiday thing going on. Do I get presents? You don't get presents. Your present is a gift of folklore that I'm going to tell later on. It's a, a nice little Christmas story to warm your heart. Oh. Hi-ho, hi-ho, it's off to break the curse we go as Captain Barbosa and his cursed crew wind their way to the treasure room on Isla de Muerta. The ever-so-kind gentlemen they are give Will Turner a front-row seat at the Aztec Gold Altar. It's the best seat in the house to see the knife-wielding Barbosa kick off the end of the curse ceremony with a little ritualism. The impossible, I mean improbable, the ever-so-uninvited Captain Jack Sparrow joins the monster mash and initiates his... She said, she said, he said soliloquy. Promises, promises, promises. Minute 106 begins with Jack continuing to talk with Will, just like you promised. So we're all men of our word, really. Except for Elizabeth, who is in fact a woman. 
Barbosa chimes in with, shut up, you're next. The minute ends with the Royal Marines of the HMS Dauntless waiting patiently in longboats with the Black Pearl in their sights. Mulroy says to Murtaugh, the pirates come out, unprepared and unaware. We catch him in a crossfire and send him down to see Old Hob. Murtaugh replies, I know why we're... Dot, dot, dot. That was unawares, by the way. Unawares. Yes, unawares. I corrected it. I'm like Jack. I had to correct him when I wrote it down. I corrected you. Don't snarl. I corrected Jack. Don't take this to an episode 105. That hideous beast that it was. Here are my two highlights for the minute. One, Barbosa's tired of Jack and his apparent David Blaine magician skills of escaping Rum Runner's Isle. He's so tired of sticking the code, or to the code. He's not like sticking it to the code, but he's sticking to the code. Those are completely separate meanings. Or it's more like sticking it to the Articles of the Black Pearl, actually, that are required you maroon someone on an island. Because he not only tells Jack to shut up, he tells him he's next in line for a killing. Barbosa has really reached the limit of his patience with everyone here. The curse, that's why they're spilling all Will's blood, well, the half-turner thing too, and the annoying sparrow who keeps popping back up. He's like a little bird. He is. It just keeps coming back. (laughs) Second on my kind of two big highlights for the minute is that Jack is really trying to somehow restore his honor and make sure Will, Barbosa, and all the crew members know he keeps his word, which is kind of a laughable thing. (laughs) I'm assu- he, he better make sure Norrington knows this also, because Norrington didn't believe him either. Yeah, nobody believes Jack. He's got a real PR problem, we'll just yeah. say. I'm assuming he does this because he needs to make sure Will trusts him no matter what he says to Barbosa. And then he also needs Barbosa to take the bait, especially since the crew is really not happy that the Dauntless is waiting outside for them. But Jack is one of those people who just needles his way into your brain, and he always has at least one foot on the truth, or in the truth. The circle of truth. Circle of trust. (laughs) That's why Barbosa couldn't simply ignore him when he pipes up. He knows he can't trust Jack since Jack wants the pearl back. But he also knows that there is like this glimmer of truth in whatever Jack says. There is a little piece that's true. And that's what I think worries Barbosa. Yeah. And plus Barbosa had to listen to him. He has no choice. Well, think about it. If you're Barbosa and Jack just reappears again, he has to be thinking... Who in the holy hell picked this guy up off that <laughs> island? And how did he get here? Who's knocking on the door outside? Yeah. He has to be wondering that. So he has to listen. It could just be another passing pirate ship or merchant vessel or something. Or it really could be like the Navy or something. So he had to kind of listen for that. I think Jack and Barbosa have this like love-hate relationship. I think so. You know, they're, they kind of care about each other, but yet they... It's, can't stand one another. That's why he named the monkey Jack. Yes. Part of it anyways. I know it's kind of a Jack. tongue-in-cheek thing and a <laughs> little stab to the face because of naming your monkey Jack. But it's also really similar to what was portrayed in Black Sails with the relationship between Long John Silver and Captain Flint. It really is that same kind of relationship. They don't like each other, but then they have kind of an affection For each other, at least kind of a mentor-mentee relationship kind of deal going on. It's almost like brothers that don't get along. Is that what it is? A mentee? It's a mentor? Not mentee. Mentee would be... Mentee is like it's fresh breath. What? How come I can't (laughs) think of... They don't have fresh breath. How come I can't think of the word? If you... (laughs) Okay, if it's senpai apple pie, senpai kohai (laughs) kind of thing. What the hell is it in English? How come I can't... Like your intern. 
I can't think of it for the life of me. I've just completely gone blank. Apprentice. Apprentice. Thank you. Oh, my God. That's or Padawan. Not, that's not good. Yeah. Could be the Jedi and the Padawan. Oh, my God. I can't believe that I just completely lost Apprentice out of my mind. <laughs> no, wait, Minty's right. It's like a Minty or a protege is what I was actually looking for. Jeez. It's almost like I lost my mind, for God's sakes. <laughs> Getting back to what we were saying Barbosa actually has to proceed with caution when you actually listen to Jack. But the last thing Barbosa really wants to do is tangle with the Dauntless just after getting rid of the curse. Exactly. He, he has to. to tangle that's with why, it before. Exactly. He has to. That's why he has to listen or to play, Jack because he doesn't tango know. With Not, are you really going to take things down the 105 road again? No. Oh my God, you are. No. You just said tango. <laughs> You're doing a tango in here. I don't know what the hell's going on. Have a few behind-the-scenes things. Okay, it's really just one. But the longboats with the crew waiting for pirate action was a bit more challenging because of the movement of the water, actually pushing the boats to the shore and the rocks. Oh. So to keep the boats in place while they were filming, Verbinski had to have divers in the water holding the boats there. Oh, really? Yeah, so there's that's divers p- down there. That's probably why they did a lot of tight shots then. Maybe. Yeah, just because the boats were moving it was, around. It was kind of difficult, yeah. So I know yesterday you were talking about everybody in their pairs. Yeah. In the mess that, that was minute 105. Yeah. But this shows you with Murtaugh and Mulroy, how they get along and how they work and, and think in yeah. this minute when they're talking and about the situation and what they're doing right now. You know what I mean? Yeah, they all rely on each other. They're It's almost like Pintel and Rigetti, Mulroy and Murtaugh... Maybe not so much Twig and Kohler are almost a kind of yin and the yang, like in a way that Jack and Barbosa are. Jack and Barbosa kind of complete the light and the dark aspect to form one kind of cohesive unit. Whereas Pintel and Rigetti and Mur- Murtog and, and Murtog and Mulroy, they kind of work together to form one standard human being. <laughs> I was going to say one full brain. <laughs> yeah, one full person. That's exactly what it is. Because <laughs> Murtaugh's asking what they're doing there, and uh, Mulroy has to explain to him. Yeah, they kind of all come together, at least for the pairs, to form one standard person. Right. Which is pretty interesting, yeah, the way that they work off of each other. Yeah. But it, like we've said it before, it's just really interesting that there's so many pairs, but not that. There's actually... More than one comedic pair, like a straight man, funny man kind of situation going on here with, with Murtaugh and Mulroy and Pintel and Rigetti. Since we're talking about the dynamic duo on the boats, these Royal Marines, Mulroy tells Murtaugh that they are going to send the pirates down to see Old Hob. This is a first for me as I have never heard of the term Old Hob before. Have Neither you? Neither have I, no. I assume that it was just, well, I assume that there was some kind of myth about it. At the bottom of the ocean. So I did some looking into it, of course, to see what the hell was going on with yeah. this. Because I really didn't know. Was it something that was pertaining to Davy Jones? Or was it somebody that was in Pirates of the Caribbean universe that had gone down? Or a famous pirate or something? I didn't really know. So Old Hob refers to the devil of the sea. Old Hob is one of the aliases of Davy Jones. It goes much further than that, though. Old Hob is also from the Catholic belief system and is considered a nickname of the devil, which refers to one's character. Oh, really? However, it just doesn't end there. Here's where things really get dark, and dare I say, happy holidays. In past ages, it was the custom in Cheshire on All Souls Day, November 2nd, for a construction known as Old Hob to be carried about the streets. 
It consisted of a horse's head, plausibly a skull, over which was draped a sheet which enveloped its bearer. Old Hob and his helpers would go from house to house to accompaniment of a song and merriment, something that would continue right through until Christmas. The term Old Hob derived from the Middle English Hob, meaning a goblin or infernal spirit, a familiar name of the devil linked with the notion that he was also Old Nick, a shadow form of St. Nicholas. In Europe, on his feast date of December 6th, the saint was said to appear to children in the company of a hideous creature with horns and shaggy coat called the Klobuff. And I probably just destroyed that name. Or you may know it as Krampus that maybe you've heard of recently. Or there, I think there was even a horror movie called Krampus. I know you don't know, but I'm talking to the audience now. Of course you don't know. Of course... Everybody knows out there that you wouldn't know. They know your skills with remembering movies and stuff. But anyways, for those who had been good that year, presents were in store. But for those who had actually been naughty, the Krampus, or Kluboff, because i got to say this name, Kluboff, man, I butchered that, would carry a rod with which they could expect to be beaten. Merry Christmas, everybody. It is from this dark, sinister form of St. Nicholas that his demonic association of Old Nick derives... Old Hob is thus a dark form of some equestrian deity whose origins have been lost in the midst of time. Certainly, he seems connected with the Germanic tradition of the white horse or shimmel, which in rural folk ceremonies was represented by a horse's head. Again, the horse's head deal. Again, probably with a skull and on the end of a pole carried by a bearer on all fours under the cover of a white cloth again. Sometimes as many as three or four individuals bore the enormous shimmel around with a veiled rider astride the construction, leading some commentators to compare it with the great charger on which the Norse god Odin was said to have ridden. It is said that the shimmel was often accompanied by a youth adorned in straw who would take the part of a bear tied to a pole. So returning back to Britain, because we're kind of doing some of the English stuff here, we have English here, we find other examples of this kind of tradition, which... Old Hob, the horse, hobby horse, ceremonies, which might well link to archaic folk customs. Hence the name for rocking horses, hobby horse. Huh. It's all tied wow. together. And for those of you who are office fans like we are. I was going to say that. Dwight comes in with his folk tales, the Belschnickel. And yeah. this is all related in different names to actually this kind of particular character, the Old Hob. I was going to ask about that. Yeah, Belschnickel. It sounded like Belschnickel. Yeah. So it's part of it. That's right. So it's all kind of these folk tales, which is Dwight and his family were part of. But this old hob is this crazy folk tale that had links to a horse, old hob, and then it goes to hobby horse because they were constructing these horses to, huh. to do the ceremony. Wow. So night, night, everyone. And <laughs> when you're thinking of sugar plums dancing in your head you just might now be thinking of weird horse head skull deals with sheets and people beating you with a rod that's merry christmas for you i'm sure glad our santa doesn't have somebody who comes before christmas and beats you with something i'm thinking that you know this might be a tradition we need in this house (laughs) if only this episode (laughs) fell on christmas it'd have been a perfect christmas episode right or the wrong time of the year. Yeah, exactly. So everybody got to play this for their families at Christmas time. You can you talk about Old Hob. December 25th. You can come dressed to the door. So just think, you could have Santa come visit all the kids. Or you could be this horned weirdo, Krampus, <laughs> Santa, Shadow Santa, the 
the dark side of Santa come? I don't know. I'm thinking dark side Santa sounds like a pretty fun thing. I'm going for the ho, 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 jolly old man. And that's why Heather doesn't want to have any fun. So yeah, Merry Christmas, everybody. That was my Christmas story and how Old Hob is more than just... Say Davy, another name for Davy yeah, Jones or an alias nibble. But this really can get to it. But th- that's actually for their meaning because if you look at it, Davy Jones locker down into the water. Yeah. That's really what they're referring to. But when I really started looking into this old hob, it really just expanded into this crazy folktales type stuff, which is interesting because this whole Pirates of the Caribbean universe really is centered around a lot of legends and myths. And that's what they believed in and that's what they were perpetuating. So it's cool to see. The writers bring in some of these kind of old phrases and words and associations that we can look up that have all these kind of crazy meanings. And then I can go, wow, if this was a normal episode, not on Friday, we'd have been ending on some crazy Christmas dark Santa. (laughs) How awesome is that? I thought blood and that kind of stuff was cool to end on. But evil Santa, that's what I'm talking about. So it's almost a letdown that we now have to get to really bad eggs. Do you have anything else or should we just mosey on into really bad eggs? I'm ready for the really bad eggs. It's our Friday segment where we talk about our two favorite lines from the last five minutes. So Heather, what do you have for us today? I'm going for something that reminded me of you or someone that reminded me of you. Because this is something you would say. No. Are you ready? Four. No. Because my light. Gillette. (laughs) <laughs> Gillette, Jesus. <Arr>! Damn ye. <laughs> Gillette, seriously? Gillette. A little mermaid flopped I have to say, the- at least it's not Rigetti. <laughs> that, I am thankful for that. And at least. Bootstraps. Yeah, at least it's not that or, I don't know, Kohler or any of these other guys. So that's okay. <laughs> You'll take Gillette? I'll take Gillette. Just reminds me. Me of and some- my two by four. <laughs> That's none of your business. But me and my two by four are just going to mosey on our own direction, and we might not talk to you for the rest of the night. Okay. Okay. That's what okay. is it? Okay, we lock you in the basement. Yeah, tonight. that's true. So this just remind. This just made me think of something you would say to me. Okay. That might be. A little mermaid flopped up on deck and told him the whole story. That is something like I would say. Oh yeah. The sarcasm. Yeah. I have sarcasm. I get, well, I get sarcastic every once, probably 10 years. Usually I'm just a straight. Every 10 minutes? (laughs) Possibly. It is highly possible. So you basically just chose it for one and one reason only. Yeah. To call me Gillette. How dare you? No, just to point out how you are, actually. Well, at least I'm not a robot today. Well, you still are a robot. My favorite line is from Pintel's bootstrap story. What the captain did, he strapped the cannon onto Bootstrap's bootstraps. Last we saw of old Bill Turner, he was sinking to the crushing black oblivion of Davy Jones's locker. So I love the creepiness of the backstory that we get about Bootstrap Bill. And for that, we actually have to thank the test screen audience who made this happen for us. It's like a round of applause to the test screen. Because then they actually had to develop this sinking Bootstrap cannon thing, this frightening backstory that's just pretty crazy i mean it really is good old-fashioned stuff of pirate legend but it also highlights the fact that barbosa joins jack and elizabeth as three peas in a pod that we discussed yesterday i think it was yesterday right three peas in a pod they're all 
two peas in a pod, I said, but now they're three peas yes, in a pod. Because each of these true. characters are now ruthless. And now it's been demonstrated that they, any of them, all three of them, will do whatever it takes to get or keep what they want. In the case of Barbosa, if he was willing to send one of his own crew to an ugly, eternal, watery grave, why would he give pause to killing a stranger, this stranger being Will Turner, spilling all his blood to end the curse? These are, in fact, real freaking pirates here. Real movie pirates, I should say. Yeah. But real movie movie pirates, as opposed to animatronic Disney pirates that you might see on the ride. A bit more happy-go-lucky. This guy will actually throw you to the bottom of the water. Or, or slit your throat. And that just creates some good tension because we don't know. If he's willing to throw one of the people that he knows overboard like that, then why wouldn't he get rid of Will at the drop of a hat? Yeah. He has so, no reason to keep Will. Yeah, that just creates some good tension for the audience. Now, if Will was standing over the Aztec chest wearing a red shirt with, say, a Star Trek insignia on it, he would be toast. There's no escaping <laughs> it because he would meet the red shirt of death. But poor Will, well, we can thank the heathen Aztec gods that he chose not to wear red before leaving Port Royal. Now he doesn't have to do that. And plus, he's one of the stars of the movie. It's not really a Walking Dead kind of TV show where they just kill off main characters. So... It's not a TV show either. This is real life we're discussing here. So it is possible Will could die when we get up to the final minutes here. Barbosa is the type of person to do that. And I think that's what makes it interesting with the quote. And this is something definitely if I can get out of the minute by minute thing for a second. Okay. Which is kind of blasphemy. I'll let you. But this would be something really interesting to discuss. Like on a bonus episode or something one day. Where we're just doing character development and stuff. To see Barbosa's character go from Curse of the Black Pearl all the way through, say, Dead Men Tell No Tales. And really see that evolution. Because Barbosa kind of becomes that good guy over films. Right? Yeah. Even in, what, on Stranger Tides he was. you know, So he kind of goes back from pirate to being service of the British crown. And so that's, what's interesting is to see Barbosa transform all over these years. Cause at one point he was actually somebody who would just throw somebody overboard or kill them and have no qualms about it. Or abandon them on a, an island. But, island. but if you look at other real pirates, that seemed to happen with them too, that they were ruthless pirates. But then at some points they were also in service of the Royal crown or in service of countries that were, given license to just go out and plunder and kill and as long as they weren't doing it to their own country or their ships under their own flag yeah it really is a weird situation and to have barbosa kind of make that full circle i think he's one of those really interesting characters that we get from villain to good guy that happens over the span of a number of movies that we see yeah you you really like barbosa but then by the end you're he's almost your favorite character in the movie yeah he go because he goes from that he he really is that because he really is a cool unique villain and my one of my favorite villains from the entire franchise yeah but then he becomes a favorite kind of semi-hero this anti-hero that he becomes right. again just like jack was which it's, is interesting so it'll be i think it'll be fun to talk about or break down like in some kind of bonus episode or something one day yeah or to continue talking about it at some point so that's all i have for the week do you have anything else? Nope, that's all I have. Well, thank God we ended on, well, that we got back to our roots a little bit. So we'll be back on Monday with Minute 107 of The Curse of the Black Pearl on the Pirates of the Caribbean Minute. Until then, let's keep the horn swoggling to a minimum. And the grog flowing What's that, Banjo? Heather's been drinking at the Faithful Bride Tavern? Take me to her, buddy. Blimey! 
passed out in the mud with the pigs? Again? This sty is your second home. Heather, wake up! The show's done and you're supposed to tell everyone where they can find us, where the after party is, and how their voicemail may be featured on the show. Banjo, get me a bucket. Hey, Scallywags, while Banjo's getting some water to wake up Heather, it's time I say thanks for listening. If you like the show, give us a review on iTunes. It helps us out and we greatly appreciate it. Have a question or comment? Give us a call at 8637-PIRATE. We just might play your voicemail on the show. You can also give us a shout at podcast at blackpearlminute.com. And don't forget to join the post-episode brawls on Facebook and Twitter. If you're interested in our best of clips, you can find us on SoundCloud. All the links are at blackpearlminute.com. It's that easy.